Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello and welcome to the Hoovering Podcast. I'm Jess. Nice to meet you. If you're new, this week's episode I would describe much in the same way as my toddler would describe a huge wave. It's a big, big whopper. First of all, I just want to thank you for listening. Thank you. If you're telling other people about this podcast, if you enjoy it, please keep doing that. That's the only PR that I've got for this podcast. Rate, review and subscribe it. Tell everyone about it. And if you've got any spare dough, as in actual money wedge, I'm on a site called Patreon, where in exchange for even as tiny as two bucks a month, um, I will give you podcast related prezzies. You had to go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. I finished all the admin now. Let's have a podcast. This week's guest is only a bloody massive, great big mega hero, kind lord of the food. It's Simon Rimmer, off of Sunday brunch. I know. Get in. So a heads up, first of all, we met in a pub garden, so there is a bit of wind making a horrible noise, and sometimes a nearby child makes noise. Damn you, wind and children. And me for not having acquired lapel mics at this point. But please rest assured with my giantest promise that as annoying as it sounds for the first 30 seconds or so, it does go away and you totally stop noticing it. Solid gold promise. This is such a fascinating episode, if I don't say so myself. Simon has stories that are funny AF about guests epic fails on Sunday brunch. He's brutally honest about patches of workaholism and there's a great big reveal as far as I'm concerned about how chefs eat and what the consequences of that can be. At one point I say it smells like I've been allowed to be nose right in a fire and he's totally cool with that. What a guy. Let's go. You do making and eating food for a living, which on paper for me is the dream. That is living a dream. Is it true or is it if there's anything about it that that's sort of ruins it in this and I ask it because as a comedian you get this thing which no one would ever tell you about if someone said oh I'm thinking about doing comedy there's only reason why I shouldn't which is when you then watch comedy right through from the best live comedy to stuff on telly or films if you think it's amazing you go (laughs) very funny and you don't get that like you you laugh you still laugh but you laugh at the stuff that was off the cuff or just a bit cliquey I think it gets like that with food and eating. I think initially, probably. But I mean, I've been a chef for 28 years. Yeah. I think you hit a point in, in the middle when like, I sort of plateaued in my career as a chef and you sort of go, oh God, I feel like I'm stuck in a rut with what I'm creating, really? what I'm doing. 
and how then how many years in to 28 years uh, so probably probably 10 in yeah We've got up to three restaurants. One that's been really unsuccessful. We lost a load of money, so I was back down to Wara. Right. So we told number two to fund the losses on number three. Right. So it was kind of backwards. So stressful. Yeah, and I think then you sort of sit there and you go, I hate this industry. I hate everything about it. I hate food. Everyone's better than me. So I think then I probably had that thing of, of going, yeah, it's really good. I hate you for being really good. But now yeah. I find that. I, I really, really love it. And I think one of the big things that changed was doing some of the weekend then leading to Sunday brunch. For the last 11 years, I've had to write a minimum of three stroke four recipes every single week of my life outside of having restaurants. That is insane. Three to four recipes yeah. a week. So for the last 11 years, since I started doing it over the weekend. Still, 11 years. Yeah. So so I think as well as that, then you kind of go, Because <laughs> wow. they were probably like TV chefs in the 80s. No offence to them. But that you got to bring a book every five years yeah. now. And then dine out on it, excuse me. You, you, you watch TV food from the 80s and it's so slow. Like, yeah. I used to love the Galloping Gourmet, you're probably too young. I can't remember so, it. So, he used to get a guy called Graham Kerr, and basically, um, he used to do it in front of a live studio audience, and he used to kind of, he was a bit of an American version of Floyd, really. We'd have a few mm. drinks, he'd cook a bit of food. And as a kid, I remember thinking, this is so exciting and fast pace. When you watch it back now, he cooks two dishes in a half hour show one of which is basically some buttered cabbage yeah. and it, it, you feel like <laughs> oh my goodness it's like pushing a piece of string it is so slow whereas now then it's far more fast paced so I think it's because of that then you kind of then you get excited but yeah. the, what we've got in front of, I've, I've got some smoked almonds because smoked almonds are one of oh, the nicest things in the world. I've also bought you a really weird thing to try oh well I don't know if it's weird yet it's a birthday present I, it was my birthday last week and someone's brought me the world's salt selection by sous chef that's that's nice and what salt have we got in it we've got some Persian blue some black lava sea salt which I am terrified of I'm a big salt fan this is yeah. why this is a, yeah. a gift from my friend Hal Branson who's a lovely man uh, and, a, and a very funny comedian so here's the thing so when I have um, I love salt and food yeah. but um when I have, if I get a sea salt crystal on my tongue, it makes me gag. Okay, we won't be trying that then. But it's really weird. It's a recent <laughs> thing. It's oh, a, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't How know. Funny. Yeah, and I just kind of, I just started this whole thing where I would get a little salt crystal. It just really made me into it. Yeah, but I, I like salt. I love salt. I've had that recently with anything deep fried. Wow. And oh, that's if, you, if you get, I know it's really heartbreaking. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. But yeah, if you get like a just a mouthful of batter, where you get that when you get that burst of hot fat in your mouth, which should be a thing of pure joy. Yeah, yeah. It makes me like. How makes my did head that start? Back. It happened about six months ago. Maybe less, actually. Maybe like three months ago. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm your. Uh, I feel like I'm giving you a, a grilling now. So, um, and yeah, no, has you changed your dietary tables. habits prior to that happening? I mean, they're always in a state of flux. I'm quite planty. I don't eat much milk and dairy. Yeah. I don't eat much dairy and meat, and hardly always. Eat any meat. Um, or recently. That's about a year and a half old. Yeah, now. I reckon it's that. Do you? It's just taste buds changing yeah. and morphing. You do adapt, don't we? Yeah, We're big so time. oddly adaptable. Yeah. But but there's but it's plant fat, or do you think maybe that was some animal fat? I don't. I think it's just. I think there's something about. I think if you embark on a plant-based diet, then you naturally eat less fat. Right. You've got to struggle hard to kind of eat as much fat as you would eat eating a deep-fried chicken wing. I do try quite hard and do quite well, Simon. But you know what I mean. So if, if, if most of your diet is plant-based, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got like vegetarian, very successful vegetarian books and restaurants, but you're not vegetarian. No. Well, when we started, so 28 years ago, um, when I decided that I was going to have a change in career and stop being a designer and become um, a, a restaurateur, then really it was the fact that what we bought was a very sort of very 1980s vegetarian calf. Um, which was very kind of brown, very worthy. It was very kind of like, you know, brown rice. It was no socks, it was lentils. And it was it was kind of like, like old school veggie restaurants were about what you didn't eat rather than what you did eat. Um, but it was in a great area. So where it is, which you're still doing now in West Italy, West Italy was just starting to feel a bit cool. Um, and so when we, when we started it, it just made sense to kind of be there. I think because I'm not a vegetarian, so I'm a business partner from that business, isn't a vegetarian. We had to find a way of creating food that we wanted to eat. Of course. You know, because we were completely utterly devout carnivores um, back then. And so 
little by little, as, as I was sort of learning my craft, you know, by the seat of my pants, that never been trained as a chef. Then I think we just developed a way of working and making veggie foods a bit more exciting, a bit lighter, and not about kind of what you can't have. So let's celebrate what you can have. Yeah. And it sounds very like, you know, we, we, we were like pioneers. We weren't. I think it was just the fact that we hated everything we were making because you'd read a veggie cup and it was like, under no circumstances eat anything you might enjoy. Don't eat anything that isn't brown. Exactly. I think people have a very similar view of, of or, or certainly did until the last few years of veganism as well. Like you think there's got to be this carnival of misery. Um, but I, I, you say you're not pioneers, but I think you do yourself down. The reviews for your book are all people going, oh, I've never had a vegetarian meal. And I'm, this is amazing. It's great. Uh, and, and still 28 years in, then it's still exciting. It's still the biggest challenge as a chef I still think that kind of doing veggie, and particularly vegan food. Yeah. We're now in Greens, at the moment, we're running about 65, 70% vegan, excluding desserts. I've really Which, seen that, actually. Vegetarian yeah. restaurants have gone, have really up there. Yeah, and, and, and it's about customer demands. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing being, if you are a restaurateur, a bar owner, a pub owner, whatever it might be, if you ignore the requirements of your customers, yeah. Then you'll you'll die. Same, same, same in, in your job. Yeah, if you go and say, right, I'm going to do stand up, I'm only going to do about wooden fences. You might be really successful, but <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. And meanwhile, you're all just there going. <laughs> I quite like that for the first three jokes about wooden fences, but now I'm 45 <laughs> minutes I'm not in, that into wooden and, fences. You know, Guest on your show, have you seen an increase there in people who are being planted? Yeah, terrifying. Really, really rapid. Terrifying. It feels so quick and it feels like it is this year. Suddenly, everyone. Yeah. Um, for example, last weekend, yeah. uh, every single dish I did, the four dishes I did were all either veggie or vegan. Yeah. Um, because that was the device. So I, I, I've made a point from early doors of Doom Telly that I want to make sure if I'm going to cook with guests, that I have to cook something that they're going to eat. Yeah. Um, there's a really kind of easy anti-plant eating line within comedy, within stand-up, but also there's some amazing stuff coming yeah. through now. Well, the, the, the hard thing about it is, from my point of view, is that, you know, we're a popular show. Yeah. You know, we, we, we are Sunday mornings, yeah. you know, so my my son's mates who are 15 watch it, my mum and dad's friends who are in their 80s watch it, and everybody in between. And there are times when... I feel like editorially, yeah. I start doing recipes for five people. And you're like, these five people do not represent any of the people watching yeah. this. And, because and they're, all, they're all being all fashion-y, and it's fashion-y it. to be vegan. You fall into two roles. You fall into either the great British menu end of it, which is, look how clever I am as a chef. I've got amazing skill. You'll never be able to do this. I'm incredible. Yeah. Or you fall into sort of my end of it, and, you know, Jamie Oliver being at the forefront of all that, saying, listen... Cooking's really good fun. Yeah. It's really easy. Get yourself in the kitchen, go to the supermarket, buy the stuff and cook some nice food. And I think if we're not careful, we are a little bit in danger that editorially yeah. I'm shifting too much to catering or cooking for five people rather than the million people who watch it. Yeah. And I don't know what I don't know how we solve it. Because obviously I, I still want my guests to feel welcomed. No, it's bonkers, isn't it? That is a fascinating thing and I hadn't even contemplated that when I was when I thought of that question it was watching it last uh, week yeah. exactly that and thinking God in, yeah in our world everybody's going that way but is it indicative I feel like every time there's an election I, I realise oh no I was in this bubble of people who all thought Completely. exactly the same thing as me and they're like no, that's not what the rest of the world's thinking at all um, but, I think, but I think that that you know outside of food I think that's the problem with all of us in the media full stop yeah. We live in this remarkable little bubble where the world is lovely because we all actually have quite a lovely life, yeah. truth be told. You know, and then when we have absolute not abject surprise that something like Brexit happens, and you think, how did that happen? But then, because well, you... a lot of people are really unhappy and they're really desperate for a change, and it doesn't mean that they're stupid, and it doesn't mean it, it, it's just completely a agree. Desperation. Yeah, and I think also that, you know they've been let down by us, kind of left wing media lovies who yeah. sort of say everything's great isn't it great they want to look over but we're in that kind of you know educated sheltered world where we're all kind of like doing our thing yeah whereas and we're in big cities as a rule where diversity is working yeah 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 absolutely true you know I, I did an award ceremony um, up in Aberdeen for the British fishing industry a couple of years ago and it shocked me 
but for no reason other than the fact that because I live in a media bubble it shocked me the difference of opinion from what I felt and as a, as a host of an award ceremony I died on my backside <laughs> because all the, all the funny things that I said they really weren't funny to a massive right. load of Aberdeen fishermen <laughs> <laughs> You're not a tiny chap yourself. I like the idea that there's these great big imposing fishermen. I want to try a smoked almonds. So, so smoked almonds are one of the greatest joys in modern life. Really? Because they what they do is... smell amazing. It smells like I've been allowed to put my nose right in a fire. Yeah. And that's what you want. A good smoked almond, or anything smoked, mm. I think, is good. But with an almond, you get that crunch, you get that oh. saltiness. So and then good. that umami sensation mm. in your mouth is amazing. And... They're great. You put them in, in a salad, yeah. make oh, a pesto oh. with them. Um, you drink them with a little glass of cold sherry. Yeah. You have them with a gin and tonic. I was going to say that's perfect with a gin and tonic. Yeah. A boiling hot day. Yeah. And there's the something. Sun's finally calming down. There's something amazing about them. And, um, and the first time I had them, I was in Spain. And I love Spanish food. I think Spanish food is probably, probably my favourite food. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and. Spanish just do the most amazing things with pigs. I think that, you know, their, their ability to kind of do, like, your chorizos and your slow-cooked stuff, etc., etc. And almonds, pork products, like, you have a little bit of a slice of chorizo, mm. you have some amazing Iberico Chorizo ham. is something that makes me think there might be a god. Like, yeah. it, it's the, one of the divides between atheism and agnosticism for me. And I don't eat meat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not a vegan because I, I, I can't live my life thinking that I will never eat meat again. Like, yeah. but, but at the moment, I'm not eating meat. But, I mean, I, it's just a glorious thing. Uh, you thought it, to put that thing with those spices. Heavenly. It is just absolutely heavenly. <laughs> and then you add the smoked almond into yeah. that. You go, if you chorizo, smoked, smoked almonds, a barrel ham, black pudding, glass of sherry. Um, oh, sweet sherry. Yeah. Those, the oh, cold. Really cold. Really cold. Oh, God. But also, I think what's amazing about these almonds is that it just is, it just, it is like being at a barbecue. You've got everything that's yeah. amazing about a barbecue in a mouthful. Yeah. It's, it's heavenly. It's just a delightful little piece. Eat, I mean, even a fruitarian can probably eat that. No, because they're cooked. <laughs> oh, they are. They're not raw. They've, they've been cooked above, is it 32 degrees? 60 degrees? I can't remember. Yeah. They're so good. Aren't they? Delicious. Amazing. And like incredibly subtly filling. Yeah. You find out later. Um, so on your show, you have guests helping with your food prep. And I, I, I mean, you might not be allowed to say, but I'm really keen to know who's, if anyone's ever been so useless. Because I think that's a risk. I've found just even with the few people I've spoken to for this podcast so far that there are people that cook and there are people who don't cook. And there's people who would want to if they have time. So there is a middle ground. But with the people that don't cook, <laughs> like I wouldn't want to put a knife in their hands to even chop a bit of herbs while I'm... I want to know if anyone's ever been so useless that they've actually genuinely fucked what you were cooking? Um, I think one of my favourite times ever was quite early doors, probably about ten years ago, with Mark Watson. I so, love Mark Watson. And Mark Watson um, describes himself as severely left-handed. <laughs> and we tried to get Mark to to, um, to zest a lemon and oh. he, just, he just couldn't do it. It, it, I think I think it's probably still up on YouTube if you get the chance okay. to see it. And if you ever see Mark, I'm he will find remember it. it, put it in the podcast it's, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the greatest moments of awkwardness you could ever imagine. Somebody <laughs> not being able to... I mean, Zesting Lemons is, is, a, is good. Because then equally, we had Richard Blackwood on the show. Right. Who Richard sort of said, oh, you need to zest lemon. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. So then, so then Richard, who was a lovely guy, I've got to say, was a really great yeah, guy. Yeah. He cut the lemon in half and then tried to grate the flesh of the lemon. But by holding the lemon and moving the grater... No! And so the next day he was filled, and it just went viral. It was one of those moments of telly where you go, this is just incredible. The next day when he went to EastEnders, they'd nailed lemons to his dressing room door. And to this day, he still gets grief about it. Good! Brilliant. Oh, man. So, but then the other thing you get sometimes... And it tends to be bands. If you get a youngish band on who are trying to be cool, and I know when they walk into the kitchen area that they don't cook and they think it's not cool to cook. So they kind of stand 
slightly with their right hip forward and with one hand in their pocket and they almost don't make contact with the counter <laughs> almost as if like you know yeah, if, if I don't actually acknowledge this it will just go away just gonna, uh, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind it I think the thing is because we've been doing it for so long you can tell now it's a pretty well oiled machine that you're like just chop that. You could, when, even with people like, do you need this smaller than that? You're like, it'll do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, di- I didn't actually give you any responsibility. You can relax. And, and, and I think the thing as well is that I think that it's that thing. I think as you get older, that you realise that being cool is a very different thing to what I think it is when you're in your twenties. So if you're a young man in your twenties, you think, oh my god, this is so uncool, chopping an onion. Me and everyone at home is watching the show going. Get stuck in that every day. I, I want to yeah. see you kind of doing yeah. this. Well, they don't do it. They actually look very. Uncool, yeah. rather relax into it, and it's kind of it's one of those you want to sort of say to them. I'd rather you didn't do anything, or don't say you don't want to do a cook. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't yeah. do it. Mm, I'm in my time. Do you still love cooking at home, or does that just feel like a busman's holiday? Love it. I, I really? really, really, and love even it. thinking of things. You see, because my wife cooks as well. Because oh, cool. um, Ali used to be a chef. Um, so she's a really good cook. My son Hamish is 15, he likes to cook. Um, so when I'm cooking at home, I do really like it. So, for example, this weekend, then there's just Hamish and I at home. So tomorrow we can't decide if we're going to go out or we're going to eat in. But if we're going to stay in, then I want to try and get hold of some monkfish tomorrow because I know he really likes monkfish. So, so yeah, I, I kind of do. So I know that tomorrow... So you've got a 15-year-old son that could cook monkfish. Yeah. I mean that is a, that is yeah. amazing. He, he, he's, That's he, one of the hardest things I've ever. That I, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is I've repeated. Monkfish is really easy to cook. It's it? it like meat because it's a big yeah. white meaty fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, prepping it properly is the hard thing. Oh, Just making sure that you get that all that grey membrane off because right. the membrane is so strong right. and it'll take a load of heat on monkfish. It will curl up and become really tight. Then it's really horrible to eat. So. If you buy it from a decent fish, we'll get them to take all the membrane off. And um, even if you say, listen, I'll pay you the weight with the membrane, then yeah, take yeah, it off for yeah. me. Um, that makes sense. And so, yeah, so I do, uh, I think about it in a different way. I think it's fun cooking at home. I mean, we we tend to have a lot of people eating at our house all That's the time. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, we're, it's, it's very sociable, our yeah. house. Yeah. Your kids' friends or just Kids' friends, friends, our friends. Family. Um, yeah, family. family yeah, um... Random people who will just end up coming to our house and staying, and then we kind of feed them. So, yes, yeah, in. there. Yeah, oh, that's love lovely. Um, was your house like that when you were growing up? No, not really. I mean, my mum and dad are both brilliant cooks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, my mum's an amazing cook. She's still a really fantastic mm. cook. Um, and my she dad cooked. And my dad cooked, which I think is kind of when I was growing up. Then in the seventies, then. People's dads didn't really cook, you know. It was still, even though you know parents were both got to work, it was still very much the domain of, you yeah, know, of it course. was it was women's work. Yeah, my dad has always done the Sunday roast. Um, my dad is happy to kind of like you know cook dinner at any time. And still, still now, as an 85 year old man, then he'll he'll still and he still cooks the best fried egg sandwich in the history of the world. Nice. Um, so I think I was always surrounded by. But we, I mean. We are, we're a really sort of small, tight family, but we we weren't full of kind of randoms like, no. like our houses. Do you have siblings? Uh, yeah, my sister. My sister's three years older than me. Okay. Um, and she lives in Manchester too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so, Great. you know, so, yeah, so I cook for her because she's a terrible cook. So you did design before you did cooking, but yeah. did, was there already, I suppose if you had both parents cooking when you were growing up, that's already, it's already a pretty rare, like you're saying, an exciting thing to have had a, a male role model that was cooking when you were a kid. So were you into cooking even in your childhood? Did you yeah. Parents show you stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I cooked. We used to do, used to cookery at school. So was it any good though? My cookery at school was like bad. So I right, actually, bad. I think it, I think it was okay. Great. Um, and I always liked that. And I think, and when I was a student, I worked in bars and restaurants. Right. So I think it was always there. It, it's in the in the kitchen in bars. No, and restaurants. I only I, I was only ever front of house. Waitressing, yeah. Yeah, but I always I always loved food. I've always loved food. I yeah. think you know, and I think my kids have been brought up liking good food, even though we're tiny. 
If you go somewhere the food is dreadful, my kids would leave rubbish food. Really? Which I kind of quite like. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it says it says it says that they've had like the best yeah. like options. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If you're like, nah, I'm quite exactly. Yeah, not really interested. Isn't really good. So yeah, that's something. I don't think it was ever a surprise. I've ended up doing what I'm doing. Great. Um, I think also I was never a very good designer, so I think I had to, <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to do something that was good at. We were talking before we started recording. Like, I felt like a bit of a wanker because you were saying, Where did you go to uni? And I was like, Oh, I went to LSE, did law, but um, I'd have made a shocking lawyer. I'm so, um, I just don't have a temperament for it, I think. But I think if, if, I, had but a, I think, if I had a really good opposition that really kept their cool, I was yeah. thinking about it like watching the football. We, I should say, have met up just <laughs> after England have won their quarter final yes. World Cup, which is yeah. amazing. It's so exciting. But um, the Colombian match, I was sort of watching that going, I mean, we're all talking about how, how I, I can't, I just cannot believe how well they kept their heads in, yeah. the, in, the, in the face of such a leery opposition. I would have been, I'd have had a red card within 10 minutes. <laughs> but I think, I think the thing with uni for me is that, oh, I went to Poly rather than uni because I'm yeah. that old. I think that. that There's a uni that, now though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that that whole thing about further education, I think I'm the person I am because I went to do higher education yeah. and you know back when I did it then you got all your fees paid and you got a grant so it meant that there were loads of kind of working class kids you know my two best mates in the world my two mates Philip Martin who I was at uni with and we've all done fine through the opportunity of being able to do it whereas like my daughter has now just finished her first year at uni and there is one kid who is from a working class background and you sort of think that opportunity you know when you've got fees to pay and accommodation to pay you've got to have parents who can afford to do yeah. that it's, or, it's tragic or, or, I went when it was still three grand a year so the reason I've still got a load of debt is because I've, I've <laughs> that I'm very slow at paying off yeah. and I've been self-employed so I've it, it's, it's been chipped away at out um, yeah. but like it, or maybe not I think I'm not, I don't think I've done anything illegal um, <laughs> um, but it's um, it's it's complete I mean I think the year I left uni it went up to nine grand a year yeah. and then it, just the more expensive you make it less people that can do that yeah yeah and that I think for a lot of people so of the people I've spoken to so far who have taught themselves cookery who didn't have good influences at home it is being thrown into the bear uni yeah and a lot of people have got amazing stories about the shit they ate because they still couldn't cook all the disasters they had and that in itself is a rite of passage well, well, when we started Greens, I think we did that. Did you? Yeah, because I could, I could, I Just could. Just a big disaster. I, well, I, could, I could cook like a student could cook. Yeah. But I couldn't cook veggie food that was, you know, going out to the marketplace that people would buy. <laughs> so we cooked a load of crap. Did you? Terrible. Just like things that were over seasoned, over spicy, yeah. terrible textures, dreadful combinations. Yeah. Um, I think because I'm quite obsessive. Then I just wanted to be as good as I could be. Yeah. Um, so I used, to, I used to go to market every morning. Really? I used to market at five o'clock every morning to learn about produce. Amazing. Um, and then we'd then we'd write a menu every day, which is a ridiculous thing to do. Every day a different menu. Yeah, pretty much. Oh because I thought that's what you should do. I mean, I think it works. Yeah, I mean, I think I flipped out a bit, really, because I think in the first two years, I kind of I gave up alcohol, coffee and having a life basically yeah. just to kind of learn about kind of food I had this ridiculous notion that if I drank coffee it diminished my ability to taste things I think tasting is quite an important thing when you, when you want to Huge, learn to cook yeah. so I thought if I give up um, alcohol and coffee and I just drank water then I would be able to kind of like taste in a better way I, I think it would flip me now Hello, I'm just interrupting myself here to say that if you're up at the Edinburgh Festival right now and you're listening to this before the 25th of August, I'm doing one gig only up there and it's part of the amazing Secret Policeman's Ball. It returns. It's two shows are on the 24th and the 25th. I'm on the 25th. The Guilty Feminists are putting these on and they're for Amnesty International. It's at the Edinburgh Playhouse. The lineups are off the screen. Gale amazing. It's for a stunning cause. So if you can get there, please do get there. Thank you.
I was generally working 100 hours a week. Oh. So, you know, it, it was... It was what, did you have to... Did you, I mean, that's a bit bold, isn't it? But did you have a breakdown? What stopped I think you not that? far off, yeah. I mean, I really, really do. Um, that's, I, that's, some, that's someone working too hard, taking it all too seriously for yeah. a human being that only gets one life. I used to black out. Oh God! So I used to I, I would go home from work and I'd get back from work about twelve. No one had to be at market for five, yeah. and then I'd find myself kind of just kind of coming round on my knees, thinking, I don't quite know what happened then. And then and then I'd just kind of then I'd go go to market a few hours later. So yeah, I mean I think I think I was in a really dark yeah, place. Yeah. You know, I really really do. Um, but unaware of it, I just thought it was tight, and I was. I mean, I, you know, I was absolutely, utterly exhausted. Um, but I think my, I think my thought processes got a little bit weird. Yeah. You know, so I think it took two years to kind of get through that. That's um, amazing. Did you have to get through that on your own? Did you get some help? Well, I think. I, I mean, I, I didn't have any any uh, I have any proper help. I didn't Hands have any therapy or anything. Up. But I had I had a good support mechanism right, around good. me. And Simon, so my business partner, Greens. You know, we're still really, really close friends now. And, and you know, in that two-year period, I split up with my long-term girlfriend. I kind of, I lost about two stone. Oh. I stopped socialising. Blah 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 blah. Well, a question that I always ask everyone that I talk to on this podcast is: We always had a good relationship with eating but I suppose actually if you've ever had a patch I think of uh, overwhelmed, being overwhelmed or of, a, of it being ill is the best way of putting it really I yeah. think you, you can classify it as that now whatever took you to that point it almost always affects your eating doesn't it or is the main symptom of it ends up being yeah, I mean, I you think- lost a lot of weight in that yeah, I mean, I think I lost a lot of weight because I was working 100 hours yeah, a week. And, and I think also... Because, I mean, chefs are, are notorious. When you when you work in a kitchen all the time, you notoriously don't eat but taste all day, so you never really? think you're hungry. So you're, so you're constantly having an almond, so you'll taste a smoked almond, yeah. then you'll taste some soup, then you'll taste a, a chocolate brownie, then you'll taste a curry. Yeah. So your, your body is constantly going, yep, you've had a bit of food. That's why chefs get ulcers. Because you don't eat, you just t- yeah. So you just taste, 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 and then you kind of then you don't really ever kind of satisfy that hunger. Really, I had never thought about this. So I'm sort of doing work with a therapist at the moment about how you, the human body is meant to have something, a bit of protein, and then other nutrients. But like every couple of hours, and 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 meals, like, but you shouldn't you shouldn't really go for long long stretches of time unless you're doing like an overnight fast. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, and it's just so interesting. I'd never thought about how that must be for a chef's life. So, 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 what I'm trying to do for the first time ever, really, other than when it's been very unconscious, whenever I've been travelling, I've realised, um, and my first year at uni, whenever I've been in a routine or away from my routine, in the very extremes from my normality, I've always been um, able to be a lot more intuitive about when I'm hungry, when I'm full. I feel it's a very hot day. I'm not particularly hungry today. It's a boiling hot day. Yeah. sweaty full of adrenaline with the football then this is far so it's just sort of listening to yourself actually if you're a chef there is no more confusing a time to try and be intuitive and listen to when you're hungry listen to when you're full because on top of that tasting all day so constant little bits of Always. salt, sugar constantly Always. and you drink so much coffee yeah the coffee to keep it going and the yeah. adrenaline yeah, yeah, yeah adrenaline knocks everything yeah. out of whack yeah. as to whether you're yeah, big time, and it, it is. I mean, it, it's and it's you know we we weren't in any way, shape, or form a brutal kitchen. You know, we were twenty eight cup of vegetarian restaurant. You know, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of aggression in those kind of circumstances. <laughs> and basically, we couldn't afford to play so there was really only me. Um, but it, you are still in that in that zone of just yeah. kind of you know you, you it's just it's it's very very weird. So weird. So, but how do you manage that now? Because you still have an extremely busy life. Yeah, I don't stand at the stove all day anymore. Um, I knew I needed to stop doing that uh, 12 years ago. So I was 40, 13 years ago, I was 42. I remember the night. So it's when we had, we had three places then, and my telly crew just sort of started to do a little bit of stuff. And um, I remember a Friday night, and I'd sort of been doing other stuff all day. Then I came into the kitchen at, at five o'clock, and uh, really, really busy Friday night. And at the end of it, and I thought, I hated every minute of that. I really hated feeling on the brink of being out of control because my head had been in a different place during the day. Then I came in and I was kind of like, and I was still doing that, you know, five nights a week. And I realised that I needed to, I needed to stop doing that because I didn't want to become that 
bitter chef that hated customers, hated service, hated my team, became angry with front of house staff. I thought, I need to kind of change this because if I'm not careful, I'll do that. And it took me probably three, maybe four years to fully remove the necessity for me to do it. But I knew that I had to. And it was the right move, you know, because I think... I think it made me fall back in love with with restaurants again. Because I think it was a lot of restaurants. You were right up in your face. Yeah. The relentlessness of it. Yeah. But again, that's not something short of a breakdown and actually being forced away from it for a brief patch of time, which it also doesn't cure it. It does take years to disentangle yourself from something because you're so invested in it as well. Yeah. Not just money you're that's you're yeah. everything well that's the other thing you know the reality being that you know when we had three sites it's very hard for me to say right you know what I still want to earn the same money I'm drawing from this business yeah. but I don't want to actually be working 56 hours a week in this kitchen so how do I get to that point and you know I end up taking a pay cut to enable me to do it and I sort of gradually weed myself off it um, and it was the best thing I did and I it's think. about I think isn't it least control delegation trust yeah yeah, big Building time. Building up a team of amazing people. But it's incredibly Again, liberating. It it's really, really liberating. When you allow yourself to say, right, I can no longer be inward-facing and it being a reflection of me, and you sort of go, right, listen, you know, you're my head chef now. Listen, have your legs. Go for it. You know, I'll, I'll back you, um, and let's sort of see what happens. And you also realise as well that when you let somebody have that responsibility as long as you've I think as long as you treat them well as an employee and they trust you and they like working for you they want to show you that they can do a brilliant job Um, and I think that that's I was very fortunate that that's what happened you know I had a really great team of people who just sort of said this is amazing look what we're doing just go on it's kind of, I would never approach it in that way but what you're doing is really successful and it really works and it was incredibly liberating I love it what an amazing happy story, really. Yeah. Out of all that. I think there's something very satisfying about hearing about this graft and then this freedom into being able to relax and enjoy the fruits of your graft, really. Yeah. Not that you ever I'm not I'm not saying that you're not working as hard now, but you choose the areas. You choose where to focus your energies. Oh, yeah. I, I now have the job that I want rather than yeah. the job that I have to have. And yeah. I think that's a really lovely place to be. And every now and again, then I have to have the job that I've got to do. You know, if push comes to shove, then I'll still stand at the stove and I'll still kind of yeah. cook all day. Um, I suppose the difference between now is that if there's a problem in one of the sites now, I'm a long way down the list of people to phone to, yeah, to cover yeah, a shift. Yeah. You know, it's a proper desperation. Yeah, yeah. So, but listen, I'm really sorry, but you're on site, and you know what? Somebody's not shown up, and we've got 84 booked for lunch, and I've got a really experienced team. Any chance you could run a section? You know, yeah, of course. I'm but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is a it is a nice place to be, definitely. Get in. Delicious. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you did Strictly, 
Yeah. Now that is serious business. Did you have to go on into eating like an athlete? I, I, I eat pretty well, really. Yeah. Because uh, I exercise loads anyway. So um, I actually probably ate more junk when I did strictly. Did you? Because it was because of the hours you were keeping. Six hours a day, training. Six hours a day, five days a week. It, oh, I've been active all of my life, and I've never trained that much. Really? Ever. So you can just eat whatever you want. Yeah. I suppose if that is six hours of sweating hard. Yeah. And you cardio. need carbs. And, and it's everything, isn't it? Strength, cardio, it's everything. Everything. Yeah, it's why, you know, Karen, who was my dance partner, yeah. I could never believe how Loved much it. she ate on a daily basis. Get and, in. And it's, was, it's a joyous thing to do. And there was just nothing of her. And she's yeah. strong and she's fit. Yeah. She's amazing. But it, it's a thing. But, you know, it's your full-time job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dancing was my full-time job. <laughs> That's it. Was it fun? Oh, it's I mean, it's brilliant. Honestly, so it was so, so brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, because I thought if I could get past week one, yeah. I'd be happy. So I got to week six. So it's I, amazing. I, I, I did. I did really love it. It's the most terrifying thing I've ever done as well. Really terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. Because yeah. as we get older, we stand outside of our comfort zone so much less, yeah. and you are out of it every second of every day. I don't feel like you are though. I mean, I think this that, that is a huge challenge. I mean, I'd be too. I'd be, I think, too terrified. To go like, okay, entirely new skill set that <laughs> we will spend their entire lives crafting. Well, the, the, the first one that you do, right? So the first dance I did, the Pasadoble, and I'm standing on a box in the in the first show. And they are dancing, the Pasadoble, Simon Rimmer and Karen Clifton. And you kind of hear the music. All you can genuinely hear is your heart just absolutely pounding in your ear. I'm and out if, just imagining it. And if somebody comes to, to, to me at that point, gone, listen, you have to do this. You get off the box, put your clothes, you go home, you go. I'll do that. I'll take that. Thank you. I'll take that. But it was, it was, it was brilliant. Five second rule: yes or no. No. Really? Yeah. It's oh, that's upsetting. Light. It's more germs on your floor. Than Why would you do it? Um, what's really, really worrying is of everyone I've spoken to, it's only been the doctor and the chef who've said no. That's disgusting. Yeah. And everyone's got yes. Ten minute rule. Yeah, I do it for myself. I'd oh, never. Fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't mean you'd serve it to someone you were yeah. looking for. Yeah, I would do it for myself. Yeah, God. Yeah. Oh, five second rule for you. That's what I mean. uh, Probably 24 hours. Oh, fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, for your yeah. own children, I've got a two year old and I basically eat him. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, yeah, absolutely fine. Sometimes yeah. he crawls into the stairwell of the car underneath where his seat is and nibbles things. At yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I've kind of, I've, I've, I've cut a piece of steak around where the cat had kind of started licking it. Perfect. Okay. That, that's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with myself. No. <laughs> I drew the line today where he'd left most of his lunch, and I'd seen there were three flies on it. So yeah, I'll bit, I will bit. Would you go with two? Yeah, it would have been fine with two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. three is just too many. Just a bit of fly juice. Yeah. We're not that dirty. Flies. We're not famously that disgusting. Um, <laughs> got a hangover. What's what's your go-to thing? Uh, I'll have salt vinegar crisps, a banana, yeah. and salt an Eccles cake. Salt vinegar crisps, a banana, and an Eccles cake. Yeah. In that order. No, it doesn't really matter on the order. Salt yeah. vinegar crisps. I can't believe no one said salt vinegar crisps it's until a, it's now. It's a fantastic hangover cure. The vinegar just gives you a little bit of a zip in there as well. I am. Um, I once had a hangover and needed salt vinegar crisps so badly I had to do quite a large detour to a services just to get some salt vinegar. I, I, I can go for that. What's your favourite salt vinegar crisp? Um, I do like a Walker's, although historically. Um, they're different now. Marks and Spencer's salt and used to be the best, but they're not. They've changed the recipe now. So I will go with Walkers. I think I'm going to counter that with the. What about have you ever had a disco? Something like a disco. Oh no. Okay, can I just put that out there as something? Else? So I'll the really check that you your mouth it. off. Yeah, basically. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That, that, that's they're, a sound of good salt vinegar crisps. Yeah. And then um, they're just, it's potency. That's good, I like it's, that. It's, and then McCoy's, I think, are off Yeah, I don't mind McCoy's. But no, I do, I do like a good Walker's is fine. But, in line with your M&S pension, I think that their fake Watts's are better than real Watts's. They're cheesy puffs. Really? I just think they must make them with nicer cheese dust. <laughs> <laughs> do they stage your fingers in, in quite the same way? Not quite the same way. The best I've ever... Have you ever eaten a cheesy flavour crisp in America where they don't have the rules on colourings and e-numbers? In the bright eat? yellow. Yeah. You get like... You get like yeah. <laughs> Montgomery Burns hands. Oh, like you've yeah. been dunked in nuclear nice. something glowing that, fingers I do. for days. The states do all junk food better than we do. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they really do. They'll, They'll never have better, we tax. mean worse. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they won't ever have a shipping never gonna tax. Happen. Nor will we after Brexit, by the sounds of it. Not if we make a trade deal with them on the food front. <laughs> um, I could ask you a, a question from one of my listeners, Rosie Johnson. Uh, so she's put it like this Would you rather eat one really exceptional meal a month With the rest being bland but nutritious Or fine meals Every day but never anything wonderful So I think um, Wow perhaps, that's a good question it, it is a good question And I think perhaps it comes down to a broader question of How often do you think of food as something special And how often do you think of it as fuel as well? I reckon I'd probably go Five specialty fuel On days Okay yeah. Yeah. I think there'll be a couple of days when it becomes functional if I'm really busy. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm driving, yeah, we've got you know, I'll I'll do about five hundred miles a week minimum to go between sides. So if it's kinda of like God I haven't eaten yeah. right, I'll, you'll stop at a service station, you'll buy a bland sandwich and then you'll have, you know, a bland yeah, so but generally speaking, I think it's always special. I also have access to nice food all the time. Yeah, of course. I mean, I suppose that's you're a terrible person for me to have asked this question <laughs> only because you've got special food around you. But from you choice, from choice, if, if I didn't have that option, ooh, I think I'd have to go on fine but not exceptional. Yeah, really. I, I just think when you eat bland food, because I, I think about food all the time. Yeah. I think if you had more of it just being bland, I think it would really get me down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree, yeah. I hadn't thought about it in the context of... Um, I think about food all the time as well, but I also really enjoy thinking about food. Yeah, time. I do, so yeah. Actually, if you were like... I don't know, if you t- I don't want to take that joy away of kind of the planning of the thing. And I, and I don't care that sometimes it means it, it didn't actually taste as good as the idea of it was. Yeah, I agree. It just, yeah... God, what a complicated question, Rosie. Well good. done. I like really it. Really good question. It. Good really good question. question. It's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten. Um, I... Well, if not the weirdest thing that I really didn't want to eat, but I did. Ooh, I ate yeah, smoked whale. Oh! Was that for a TV thing? Well, basically, I was filming in Bergen in Norway, um, and we were at the marketplace. We weren't filming um, this particular bit. And I just saw this kind of stuff at this little counter. I said, what's that? And they said, smoke whale. And said, here, try a bit. And it's sort of that. And obviously, you know, the, the kind of the bit that goes, no, I don't want to do this because I don't believe in whaling, blah, blah, blah. But you go, and it's something to say. You think, well, I'm not going to be able to save that whale. It no, is already that. dead. <laughs> and it's smoked. And I'm a chef and I'm intrigued by flavours. <laughs> so, and as I'm putting this thing to my mouth, I'm thinking, what am I going to do if this is the most amazing flavour? I've ever had in my life. It would it would it change? Yeah. What if it, and it was disgusting? Was it? Yeah, it tasted like a smoked eraser, like a rubber. Yeah, <gasps> the texture was was exactly that. Really? Yeah, Did but like smoky. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh dear. Yeah, but that, after, that afternoon, that was in the morning. In that afternoon, I interviewed a guy. You know that now. Yeah, which makes it even more yeah, reason yeah. To kind of you know, to, to be against it. Then that afternoon, I f- we filmed with a guy in a whaling museum, and I was there full of indignation. And now I know this is absolutely wrong. Yeah. So I'm there, like, leading all these questions. And so, so tell me, what is it with you Norwegians eating whale? And he goes, Simon, let me say, we just fucking love the taste. And you've got nowhere to go. But does he yeah. go, oh, you know, from a, from a, from a yeah. chef's point, you go, okay. And then you will go, <laughs> but, but it's wrong. And, it, and you know what he's going to say, yeah. You haven't what? pretended. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you put your hands up. There's no moral justification for this. I just think it tastes... I really like smoky rubbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went to Norway and had some um, dried yak. Oh, was that nice? No, disgusting. Sounds it. <laughs> it was in, like, a yurt. It was over, like, between Christmas and New Year. It was all snowy and in a yurt. And it was... In, and you'd take it, like, in a strip as energy food if you were going on a trek up to try and see the northern lights. But also, it's that thing of being like, oh, I'm going to be adventurous. I want to taste this thing. But it just tasted like the idea of it, what a yak would do. So yeah. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, no, I But I did have this little part of me that goes, but I went there for one taste. Yeah. I don't think the issue is with everyone wanting to try a thing once. Yeah. This is an odd one. If there was nothing else left in the world, would you eat a person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no problem at all. 
I take so much joy out of when people answer that question really quickly and decisively, so I just make my day. Um, have you got any specific hopes for technology in the future? I just think things are moving so quickly, we've mentioned that, but like technology, 3D printing, uh, as a chef, is there any, and um, that must have affected how you work in your kitchens. I mean, sous vide, all those chefs' kind of tricks that are making their way into other kitchens, like, you know, accessible stuff. How do you feel about I love it. I think I think it's an exciting time, really. You know, it's talking about kind of growing food. You know, we, we we waste so many resources producing food, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so there has to be an alternative. I'm not saying that all of a sudden we won't ever farm cows and we won't kind of have cow beautifully thirty-two day aged pieces of beef. Yeah. But I think there have to be other alternatives for our protein intake. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the, the the world can't produce enough food. Um, so I think. <clears throat> And also, the technology, it works on two levels. One is from my point of view, you go, wouldn't it be great if you could produce, I don't know, things that take a long time. Say Cherith that we talked yeah, about yeah, before. Yeah. Say all of a sudden, you can, you can use a, a, a printer to produce Cherith that has the same quality. You can produce it instantly rather than letting it cure for three years. There'd be something quite exciting about that. Then I suppose on the other side, you think, well, if we can start producing food, then surely then, in terms of bigger issues, like poverty, hunger, etc, yeah. etc then that surely is going to be yeah, that that, yeah, yeah, that's surely going to become a, a, a massive change I'm a big fan of synthetic meats for that reason basically, if we can get away from all the stuff that farming's doing kind of a, a, just to the planet aside from any uh, animal kind of stuff just, just to the temperature of the earth if we could move farming back down to some kind of sensible scale and but then I wonder how we manufacture the fake meat. But anyway, it, it, I, I find it very exciting that it's tasting yeah. more and more like meat. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like the whole thing at the moment, straws are the enemy of the world. Right. Because they are genuinely put in the ocean. So what we've done now is we're going back to saying, let's have paper straws, which kind of get rid of all the trees. And you kind of go, oh, right. And we get rid of all the trees, which adds to climate change. You go, yeah. okay, so how do we go? So technology maybe. Maybe the technology side of things is also kind of good from, from the way in which we consume food and eat food as much as it is producing it. Yeah. You know, maybe that's actually one of the biggest things that can happen. Yeah. Fascinating. Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly there's a bee plague heading to Earth from Mars on an asteroid, which would be the death of all bees, and so eventually starting quite an agonising apocalypse generally. But you are given the chance to stop it, and only you. To stop the asteroid, you need to fire a giant air cannon up at a specific point in space for 14 hours without a break, and it's really heavy. You do it! You're a hero! But you're really sweaty, you're very knackered, it's more physically exhausting than strictly... <laughs> you're allowed to shower or whatever you want to feel human again but your reward is the feast of your dreams it can be entirely hypothetical it doesn't have to be things that go together I don't care about quantities unless that's relevant but I want to know what you're eating what you're drinking where and who with and okay. it don't even have to be people who are alive they don't have to be people who you've ever met etc so I'm going to be uh, location I'm going to be in Del Mar which is a little tiny seaside town just outside San Diego which is my happy place um, which is my probably my favourite place in the world if I, if, I, if I feel about somewhere I want to be that'll make me happy that's, that's wow. it so I'm in Del Mar uh, I'm going to eat um, on a roof terrace overlooking the ocean so it'll be right on the front line of the ocean um, with me at, and this is really cliche but I will have a wife and the two kids um, and probably a selection probably about 25 other friends um, so we'll start off um, with a few bottles of Billy Cart Salmon Rosé Champagne to kind of nice. get it going Billy Cart Salmon yeah. Rosé uh, so I'll start with that um, and then um, I'll, I'll dip my finger into uh, into a jar of Skippy's smooth peanut butter, um, which is the yes. best peanut butter. Well, and I'll just eat, yes. and I'll just continue to have sticky fingers and just keep <laughs> licking that, that yeah. just while I'm kind of just standing there, basically. Perfect. Uh, there'll then be what an aperity! I want that. Can you do that in one of your swanky restaurants at some point? <laughs> yeah. Have that as the thing, like, the little shot glass of, yeah. that comes out before the start. The, the skippy, just skippy, skippy smooth peanut butter. Smooth peanut butter. 
Oh yes. Yeah. So yes. start. So I'll start with that. Then there'll be pork pies uh, for oh. you to eat, um, but they won't be cut into quarters like you get when you get them. They'll just be holes. So I just bite them. Nice, like a pork pie tapas, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pie. yeah. Yes or no to jelly in a pork pie? Uh, I don't mind the jelly as okay, long as it's fine. good jelly. Um, but what I'd do is I wouldn't eat the whole pork pie at any point. What I'd do, um, I would have a bite of pork pie, maybe two, then I just leave it. Right, so I just, I just drop it. It would just kind of, it would just be left. It's just there. Yeah. So once Wait. I've done that, um, then I'll have a selection of um, fine, varied ales, um, mainly kind of British IPAs. Probably uh, Rooster's Yankee, which is probably my favourite beer in the world. I'd, ha- I'd have that. Um, so that's just to sort of start off. Um, and then I'll probably go for a massively lavish Indian feast. Oh, nice. So we'd have kingfisher lager on tap. draft. Um, we'd have poppadoms, chutney. It'd have to be really good quality lime pickle. Yes, I was going um, to say, I wanted to hear the words lime pickle and you said that. I, I love lime With pickle. With whole chunks of lime Love in it. There. That really hurts. Yes. Um, and then I'd have I'd have fish ticker. <laughs> I'd have onion bargees. I'd have meat samosas. Fish ticker. Yeah, fish mm. ticker was so nice. And then for, for main courses, there'd be... Um, I don't like plain pilo rice. I don't like almond rice. I don't really like boiled rice with my curry. Um, I'd have plain naan because I don't like any of the flavoured naans either. Um, and then I'd have saglam. No, I'm not a big garlic fan. Oh, um, okay. In its right setting, I don't mind it. But generally speaking, I think it's overused. As is balsamic vinegar. Got it, yes. Uh, as is dill. Uh, so I would have um, uh, saglam. So, lemon spinach, but madras hot. I'd have chicken tikka masala, even though it isn't a dish, because I really love it. I'd have tandoori lamb chops. I'd have um, prawn puri. Um, I would have uh, Bombay potatoes. Um, I would have um, tandoori quail. Whoa. So tandoori quail is a long-standing joke um, in our circles that we used to go to an Indian restaurant uh, in Rush Home in Manchester after work on a Saturday night and they used to have tandoori quail but they never had it. It was just on the menu, you go, could have tandoori quail? You just do it as a joke, oh, sorry, I've got any quail to say. So I've never had tandoori quail. So, um, oh, you've got to try so it. Would, so I would have to have that. You have to actually yeah. get, finally get yeah. your tandoori quail. So I would have my tandoori quail. Yes. Um, and then um, after that, uh, oh, I'd probably also at some point would also have to be some Iberico ham because mm. I, I do just love yeah. Spanish ham so much it'd have to be that somewhere on the line because yeah. that goes with Indian food yeah. and then for, I don't, I'm not a massive dessert fan so I'd maybe have a bit of cheesecake because I do like a baked cheesecake but I have lots of cheese mm, okay the cheese have a cheese just have cheese yeah so I'd, I'd have kind of Kirkham's Lancashire I'd have Montgomery cheddar um, I'd have some uh, stinking bishop have a really kind of good varied cheese board nice. lots of different biscuits lots of good chutneys um, and then I'd finish with a ridiculous amount of shots of um, coffee patron uh, Whoa, vodka um, and that that would probably probably be quite a oh, nice night heaven yeah. <laughs> I mean it's an extensive list of heaven Massive loads of thanks to the lovely, kind, inimitable Simon Rimmer. What a dear man. I couldn't have felt more comfy talking to him in that regressively windy pub garden. You can see him all over the telly on Channel 4's Sunday brunch every weekend. His inaugural restaurant, Greens in West Didsbury, is exactly where I'm headed next time I'm northwest. And you can follow his latest news and offerings on his social media, where he's at Simon Rim. Please tell everyone you can contact in the whole internet and your real lives about this smelly podcast. It's on all the socials as at the Hoovering Pod. Rate, review and subscribe. And follow me too, at Jessica Fosterkew. I love it when you make contact with me. If you want to email me, you can do that through my website, jessicafosterkew.com. Those of you sharing this podcast, those of you financially helping me out as patrons, those of you subscribing, those of you rating, reviewing, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are my lifeblood. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.